And please turn to Acts chapter 2. It'll be on the wall as well, hopefully, or somewhere here. If you're at home, it should come up. You probably can't see it now because my hand's in the way, so I'll move that back. Acts chapter 2. We're going to read from verses 42 through to 47. This is uh, the day of Pentecost and what's been happening. And it tells us what happened to those first believers that started to understand who Jesus was uh, and why he was so important to them. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we're doing a, a series where we're trying to take stock of what's happened over the last uh, 18 months or so. You don't need me to tell you it's been very strange times and we don't really know where we're going. I mean, we're hopeful, aren't we? Um, optimistic, I hope, <laughs> of, of continuing to move forward, but there may come a point when we need to move backwards. We don't know. Um, and also, you know, we just don't know what's just around the corner anyway. But we're thankful that we've got a God who does. That's what makes the difference, isn't it? That whatever happens, whatever's around the corner, whether it's good or bad, challenging or exciting, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're thinking about that at the end of uh, August in our service together. But just wanted to take a time, really, in, this, in September, just to not stop, that's the wrong word, but just reflect, slow down a bit, and spend a bit of time thinking about what we've been through. We've asked the question, what have we been through? That was the first week. John did the second week last week. Brilliant, wasn't it? I caught up with it on YouTube because we were away. What have I learnt? Uh, have we learned, have I learned that secret of contentment from Philippians chapter 4? What have I learned? And then this morning we're thinking about what we have learned together more as a church. What it is that we've learned. And then next week we're, we're going to start to look forward. And we're going to think, well, where, where do we go from here? So that's what we're trying to do in this time in September. I'm going to think about where we go together. Um, and, 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 you know, I guess the one thing I want to say is that church is a together thing isn't it? I don't know if you've, you've grasped that yet. Hopefully you have. <laughs> hopefully you've, you've got it, you've understood it, and hopefully the last 18 months have cemented it. But church is a together thing. You know, church isn't just an hour on a Sunday, as Abby was brilliantly pointing out earlier. But that is the time when we come together. And there are other times when we come together. We see here they met in the temple courts and in each other's homes. And we do the same thing, don't we? Well, we don't meet in the temple courts, but we're provided with this great building that God has blessed us with. And we're able to meet here for different things. And we meet in each other's homes. Church is a together thing. Even when we're not together. Which is why what Abby was saying is so important. We think about how we continue to help people understand about our faith. And what it means to follow Jesus even when we're not together. But we do that by coming together. By being together. We see in Acts the beginning of the New Testament church. The reality of the kingdom of God in the world. And, you know, it really should have just fizzled out, shouldn't it? <laughs> you know, in any movement, in any way of life, whatever it was should have just died out. And yet it never, because it's God's kingdom. That's why it never. It's not a movement that you can look at and say, well, let's do what, what we did, you know, what the church did. 
because you wouldn't stand a chance. Because God knows what he's doing and we don't know what we're doing. It really should have sort of gone, but it never. There was this um, day of Pentecost when the, the, the apostles are together and they've been told by Jesus that they have to wait for power to come from on high. And they're all a bit confused, aren't they? Jesus has died and then he's come back to life again and then they've seen him and they've been with him and they're trying to get their head around what that might mean. And then he gets taken up to heaven. He ascends and he goes. And what does Jesus say? He say, look, it's up to you now. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, no pressure, but it's just on your shoulders. He doesn't, does he? He says, wait for God. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the power to come upon you from on high. They trust Jesus' promise and they wait. And then with a powerful display of his presence, the Holy Spirit comes, doesn't he? I'm sure you know the story of Pentecost. It's all very exciting. There seem to be what seem like tongues of fire coming to rest on each of them. There's a, there's a blowing wind. They all start to talk in different tongues, followed by a proclamation. They have power to tell others about Jesus, about what it is that they have experienced. And they also have a deeper understanding, don't they? All these things suddenly start to fit into place. You know, all the way through the Gospels, the disciples just seem so slow, don't they? You know, I was exactly the same when people were telling me about Jesus. They must look to me and thought, well, he just seems so slow. Why don't he get it? And you might feel like with other people that you're trying to witness to and talk to, it just seems so slow. They just don't get it. Why don't they see it like I see it? Why don't they understand? Why don't they grasp? And often we don't, do we? But then something happens when they do start to understand they do start to grasp the importance of these events, of the death and the resurrection, the teaching and the life of Jesus, and they proclaim it. They have power to tell. They start to understand who Jesus really is, and then they go. And these <coughs> excuse me, people who have been scattered on the night when he's arrested are now standing before the authorities. You can read about it further on in Acts, and saying, we've got to, we've got to follow God rather than you. We need to tell people about Jesus because he is so important. So important. People, these people have been with him. They've seen what he's done. They've witnessed these things, the death, the resurrection, the ascension. And now they, they see that they make sense. And they start to explain and, and tell others. And other people start to understand it and grasp it for themselves. They get it and they start trusting Jesus, that he's died for them, that it's a personal thing. It's not just a, an out there thing, it's an inner thing. Jesus has died for me. That's wonderful because that means that all my sin is taken from me and I'm forgiven and I put it onto him and he takes it on the cross and I need to trust him and live with him as my king, as part of the kingdom of God. And we can be so thankful, can't we, that we recognize that God has dealt with all that rubbish in our lives but then what do they do we have the big sort of evangelistic rally if you like day of pentecost but when then what do they do well, that's what we're told here in verses 42 to 47 of acts 2 in the first instance we see verse 44 they got together all the believers were together church is a together thing isn't it they need each other and they meet with each other. And whatever happens from now on, they're going to go through it together. Wherever life takes them, they're going to go through it together because they're the church, they're the people of God. So to break off for a minute and come back to the present, have we grasped that? Have we learnt that? 
that what we go through, we go through together. The last 18 months we've gone through together, haven't we? We've needed each other. You know, it can be very powerful in an individual... I knew I was going to get that word wrong. (laughs) Put your teeth in. It can be very powerful in an individualistic society not to be individualistic. It can. But to know that we have the support and the friendship and the togetherness of the church family around us. We need each other and we need to help each other. It's what the early church did. What they did, they did together. Have we learnt from them? And I just want to pull out three things, really. Three points this morning. And that's just the introduction. just want to pull out those three things as we think about what we've learnt. Just to challenge and encourage us. That Just three questions that you can take away with you. I know we, we try and have two questions to take into the week. There's going to be three today. And they're the points. So the first point is simply this. Have we learnt more? Have we learned more? There we go. I don't really mean about the world or COVID or even about ourselves, although those things are, are good things, aren't they? It's not bad things. But have we learned more about God? From his word? Have we learned more about what he wants us to know? You know, in verse 42, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And that's really code for the Bible. Now, obviously, they didn't have the full Bible then because the apostles were going to write the New Testament. God, by his spirit, was going to inspire them to go on. They taught from the Old Testament and they wrote the New Testament. So the apostles' teaching really is code for the Bible. They devoted themselves to the word of God. You could read in there. And we see that because they were very special people, weren't they, the apostles? They were called for a specific task. We see here, verse 43... It's backed up by the miracles and the signs that they performed and that God worked through them. So the apostles have an authority, a stamp of authority. When we read the New Testament, we're reading their words. And when we read the Old Testament, we're reading what they used and tried to make sense of. Think of how many verses are quoted. How many Old Testament verses just seem to come up, sometimes just randomly, but they're there because it was an Old Testament concept and an idea that was in their mind and then they turned it into a New Testament principle. That's what's going on. And here the people join together to learn from them. To understand more about this Jesus that they knew and loved and walked with. What did he do? Why is he worth trusting? One of the foundations of our lives needs to be the scriptures, doesn't it? We need to get to know them. Because they're God's word to us. We learn in different ways, no doubt. We have times together like this. We have groups. We meet in each other's homes. Other groups, we also need to be reading it on our own. Asking God to speak to us. Praying that he would open our hearts and our minds to what he wants us to know and understand. Because we're told in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 that the the Bible is living, isn't it? It's a living word. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's a living word. And then we find in John 16, verse 33, that the Holy Spirit is wanting to lead us into all truth. And that truth is in the word, isn't it? And that's one of the reasons why we moved online very quickly. 
18 months ago. And not just us. You know, not just, oh, yeah, well done, you did that really. Every church that takes the Bible seriously moved online very quickly. Because we knew how important it was to still get the word of God out there so that people could access it and they could do it together through YouTube services, through Zoom, whatever. We needed those opportunities. We need it. It's, it's, it's like our breath. <laughs> it helps us to live. It feeds our faith. And without those things, our faith can, can shrivel and die. So we have an opportunity to hear God's word together. And you know, it's not been easy, really, for anybody, has it? I mean, I'm sure at times you've liked sitting there in your pyjamas. I did wonder, you know, it would have been nice at one point just to say, right, right now, take a picture of yourself and send it in and let's all see what you're wearing. <laughs> Maybe not. But the point is, you know, it didn't take much effort, did it, just to, just to flick on the remote control. And, you know, like Abby said, it could have been at 10 in the morning, half, well, not 10, too early, half 10, or 10.38, I like that, or 8 o'clock on a Monday. You know, we, we still struggled to get there on time, even when it was only in our front room at 10.30. Strange, isn't it? How, I don't know, other things seem to, to come in. And, you know, let me tell you, I mean, I've said this before, but just talking into my phone for over a year was not the most pleasant experience. It really wasn't, but it was important. It was important to do it because the Word of God needs to go out, doesn't it? We need to be hearing from the Word of God. We need to think about it together. What have we learned? What have we learned? Well, you know, we looked at the Psalms in the early days when it was all a bit crazy and there's this thing called lockdown that we'd never heard of before and never thought we'd experience. We thought about how we could live during hard times from the Psalms. We had a series on the fruit. Do you remember that? Over last summer because we wanted to think about what God was still seeking to do in us to form character, no matter what was going on in the world around us, God's still got his internal purposes for us and wants to change us to be more like Christ. We had a series on Habakkuk, because Habakkuk couldn't understand what God was doing and asking the question, what are you doing? And, and his reply, Habakkuk didn't like very much, but ultimately it led to a deeper faith because he had the opportunity to question him. We looked at life-changing conversations with Jesus in John's Gospel, because you should always never be far away from a Gospel, looking at Jesus and thinking about Jesus. We looked at 1 Peter, and we thought about what it's like living in a world that's not really our home, as we wait for what is our home, which is in the next world. We had one-offs and other things, and hopefully you saw through that period, as you've always seen, when God's word has been opened, that it's a living word. That God has something to say into our lives and wants to help us. Have we learned from the apostles' teaching? I hope so. I hope when you look back you think, yes, I have. We have learned more. And of course, you know, if we're not careful, that mean can that, that word learnt can just we can just think up here, can't we? Well, I you know, I now know where, where Psalm 13 is. Or, I, yeah, I now know that, that you know, I've, I've, I think I've got maybe four or five of the fruits, parts of the fruit in my mind. But that's not really the important thing, is it? It's not just about what happens in the mind, but when it goes into the mind, it has to then sort of work its way down into our heart and into our, out through our lives as we live, doesn't it? So the, the second question is really just as important as the first question, and it's this. Have we learned to love more? Have we learned to love more? You see, the apostles' teaching is one of the reasons that they come together, but it's not the only reason. 
We see this, this outward spirit among them, a desire to help the other brothers and sisters. We see this in verse 45. Practical needs were met as well as spiritual. Now the verse isn't saying that they sold everything and put the money in a pot. It's saying that as a need arose, some people would sell some of the things that they had to meet the needs of some that never had. As the needs arose, some people gave sacrificially to help some of the other people in their midst. And we can miss this if we're not careful. Because it's the opposite of the message that we hear every day out there in the world. The world's lie is it's all about me. People talk about me time, don't they? Or spoiling myself or treating myself. We have I, this, that and the other, phones, pads, pods, whatever. I, 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 me, me, me. It's always there before us. Now we need to be careful. We do need to know ourselves. We need to know um, when we need a bit of rest. We you know, need to not be silly about things and completely overdo it, of course. But if we're not careful, this language can draw us into thinking it's just all about us. And that's really not helpful. That's really not helpful. You know, this, this word in verse 42, for fellowship, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. I wonder what you think of that word. The Greek is the word koinonia. It's an, it's an outward word, actually. The early disciples came to receive from God through the teaching, but they came to, to give to others. If someone was in need, as I said, they would sell something and meet that need. And the root word can also be translated generous. I think we should have it on. There we go. It's up there. So, look, the Greek word is koinonia. That's the top one, and that means fellowship. And the Greek word for generous is koinonikos. Well, they're nearly the same, aren't they? And, of course, generous means about giving outwards. And fellowship is about, in a sense, about giving outwards. It's outwards in its root. We go to encourage others. I wonder if that's in your mind when you think of coming here on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon or evening or life group or whatever. Is it that sense of, you know, I guess sometimes you just go because you feel like you have to and that's a good discipline. You, you, you need to get it. Hopefully that's not always the case. <laughs> Otherwise there's something wrong and you need to talk about it to somebody. But, you, you know, you go because you want to be there and, and it's good and you know that you're going to receive from people. You're going to get together around the word and God's going to speak. But also you go because you, you know that just by being there you will be an encouragement to somebody. And it may be that somebody has a particular need and you need to share with them or pray with them. And, you know... I think we always get encouraged if we don't look for encouragement directly. Fishing for a compliment. You ever done that? I won't ask you to put your hand up because I would expect every hand to be up in the room. Because <laughs> we do at times, don't we? We think, well, I just need a bit of something or other. We just say, well, you know, did you see that? Or did you wear that? Or, you know, somebody said this and you're hoping they'll say, oh, I heard you was really good there. I mean, it's easily done, isn't it? But actually, the way that we get encouraged is by seeking to encourage and you know, this happened to me last week, completely out of the blue. I went to, um, we was in Grimsby because we had a surprise 60th last Saturday. We had a great day. We caught up with some friends, some people we hadn't seen for nearly 20 years. We were sat out in the garden, uh, which is never a, a given, is it, in this country? But we were, it was great. Uh, and then on Sunday, we went to church. And I heard that the guy that was speaking in church is a guy that I've known for a long time, about 25 years. And I encouraged him to do his first talk when we were at a summer camp years ago. 
And I said, Matt, I said, you should do a talk. He said, oh, I don't think I could be able to do a talk. I said, no, no, no. He said, you'll be, you'll be absolutely fine. Uh, I said, you can do it. We'll think about it. We'll look at it. And, and you go up and, and you do the talk. And, and I sort of talked him round and, and he said, okay, I'll do it. And he did it. And he went up and I said all the usual thing, you know, people are on your side. Don't worry. Just stick to the material that you've, you've got. And he stood up and he froze. And he dried up. And it was agony. For him. And I was sat there thinking, oh, no. what have I done? What have I done? I've encouraged this guy to do something that obviously he's not gifted to do and obviously he shouldn't be doing in the first place. And I'm thinking, oh no. And I really felt for him and I just went up to him afterwards and I apologised. And then we're there on Saturday and he's the guy that's speaking on Sunday morning at Grimsby Baptist Church last week. And it was great. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, you know, in fact, I reminded him on the Saturday. I saw him on the Saturday and reminded him. And he said, oh, thanks for that. I'm speaking tomorrow morning. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, it's another lesson learned. And I just, there was a point where I could see he was just about to go. And I was talking to somebody. And I said, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to stop there. I know, I know we haven't seen you for a while, but I just need to talk to Matt. And I went over and I really wanted to encourage him and just say, look, mate, that was great. You know, thinking of where we were 25 years ago and you stood up this morning in front of a packed church, preached the word of God. It was fantastic to hear. And, and he said something, just a little phrase, that, that brought me such encouragement. And I thought, where did that come from? I wasn't looking at that. I mean, I was thankful for it. I've been letting down twice. But there it was. I was, didn't go over there thinking, oh, I'll, I'll go and talk to Matt because he'll probably, you know, tell me how good I am at something. Well, you, know what? you don't think like that, do you? So I went over and he was encouraged. And he really did encourage me. And then something he said just encouraged me as well. You see, if we go for it directly, we often don't get it. And even if we do get it, it feels a bit like, well, I think I, you know, I think I manipulated that one. But if we don't go for it directly, if we just seek to encourage, if we seek to be more loving, genuinely go with an, an outward attitude, then God will surprise us at times and encourage us. And of course, that's going to happen if everyone in the group's coming with an outward mentality, isn't it? How can we help? How can we encourage? You know, I'm, I'm guessing at this point, if we stop now, if we stop the service and I said, somebody come and share testimony about how you've been encouraged when you weren't expecting it, nearly everybody would be able to say something. You might not be able to think of it straight away, fair enough. I'm not saying we're going to do that. But I'm guessing that you know. You know those times in your life when God has really just touched you and helped you and encouraged you. And don't we need it? Don't we need it? And so we need to also think about how we give it have you learned to love more that's what these early disciples were doing they were they were learning and they were loving and then finally have we learned to value worship more this could have been a big lesson for us couldn't it over the last 18 months have we learned to value worship more we had to sing in our own homes in well whatever we were wearing at the time Maybe we sat, maybe we stood. You know Katrina's mum? Love this. She still got dressed up when she watched it on YouTube and she still stood to sing. I thought that was brilliant. I didn't. <laughs> but she did. And I thought there's something there. And there's, she, and there's an outward thing there. That's what she did. We've had to sing alone if we've done it at all and sometimes we never, maybe never felt like it. And sometimes, you know, maybe we're really just getting into it and then that wheel starts to go around in the middle of the screen. And we're just, oh, so frustrating.
gathered church joined in worship. The gathered church joined in worship. They broke bread together, probably a sign of communion, and they prayed together. There was an upward aspect of what they were doing. They came to be outward and to receive inwardly, but there was also that upward aspect of what they were doing. Last Sunday evening, we had an opportunity to hear songs of praise, and it was brilliant, and I wasn't here. <laughs> but I know it was brilliant, because I've seen people during the week who have told me it was brilliant. Isn't that great? That that opportunity was there. We've got another one next week, so please do come uh, next Sunday evening. It's a prayer meeting tonight, so please do come to that. And I thought that was great. That, you know, something we haven't really been able to do properly for so long, and then you get people together, and you think about songs, and you sing praise to God. An opportunity to praise and worship together. We've missed it, haven't we? We've missed it. Have we learned to value it more? Maybe we've taken it for granted before. It's just something we did and you know, something we ploughed through at times and, and sometimes it was really good. When they met together, verse 47, they were praising God. Breaking bread and praying, both in the temple and in each other's homes. Verse 46, all these things... We made sure we kept doing over the last 18 months. But of course, we couldn't make anybody do it. We just had to put it out there. Because we knew that it was important not to give up on them. Because that's the blueprint for the church. Right at the beginning, when those first believers come together, this is what Luke's telling us. These are the things that are going to be important in every age, in every generation, in every church. These are the things that are going to be important. Teaching, love, and worship these are the things that have to be a priority but then there's that little line that I don't want to miss right at the end isn't there I love this line don't you <laughs> it, it links in with what Sally was saying earlier and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved so you know their outward lookingness their outwardness and their worship were not about just the people that were there there were also a, a sense in which they wanted to move beyond the borders as well and anybody new that came anybody that you know who knows like with refresh you, you see your next door neighbor and say we've got this thing at church why don't you come along people came along they were they were welcoming to people that came the lord added to their number there was an outwardness about it. it's not a holy clique it's not just about me and about my group of people there's always that desire to grow and to see God working and praying for God to be reaching out to other people as we take these opportunities that he gives us. We always need to be thinking about evangelism, being outward, helping us to see and understand the hope that we have. Have we learnt? Have we learnt to love more? Have we learnt to value worship more? I think these could well be the things that God has been teaching us over this last 18 months. These foundational things, these important things, these pillars really of the church. Some feel like they've been taken away or we haven't been able to do them in the same way. Have we learned? Because these are what the early disciples devoted themselves to. You know, I was reading in my Greek interlinear, just showing off for a minute, forgive me. It's not really that hard because it's got the Greek and then underneath it's got the English, so anyone can do it. Um, and it said this. In the Greek, I won't read it out, but this first line underneath, it says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. So we have the word devoted, which is what it means, isn't it? 
But in the Greek, it just said, in the English underneath the Greek, continued steadfastly. And it just made me look at it a little bit differently. That's what we've had to do, isn't it, over this last 18 months. And that's what we need to do as we keep moving forward. We need to continue steadfastly in the scriptures. We need to continue steadfastly in love. And we need to continue steadfastly in worship. We've learned over the last 18 months. God has been gracious to us. We've been able to learn together. But it doesn't stop now. As we move forward, we need to continue steadfastly in those things.